Hey, Cryptonauts, welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I'm your host, Jake Chabarelli, with my co-host, Blockchain John. This is episode 440, if you can believe it. We've got 10 more episodes to go, so 450, and only 60 more till 500, if you can believe all that noise. Uh, we're changing up the format just a little bit, so we'll be getting right into the news. And this is what you guys all come here for. So, John, can you lead us off with what's going on in Crypto Twitter? This week in crypto Twitter, Gensler may want Ethereum under SSC control. Tongo to make Bitcoin legal tender by Tama Key, provided by Decrypt.co. All right. Broadly speaking, markets recovered this week despite extremely volatile midweek price movements from the leading cryptocurrencies. Over on Twitter, pundits were absorbed by Ethereum merge updates, more crypto winter stories, and the latest saga in Gary Gensler's unspoken war on Ethereum. Terra CEO Do Kwon kicked off the week with a bang. He lashed out a, at self-proclaimed blockchain gumshoe at Fatman Terra back in May at the height of Terra's collapse. Fatman, who claimed to be affiliated with Terra's research forum, accused Kwon of skimming off the top by cashing out hundreds of millions of dollars directly out of Luna's market cap over several years to pay Terra's employee salaries and operating expenses. What was Fatman's offending tweet? Nothing to do with Do Kwan. Fat Man tweeted that he was offering a leftover allocation for a carry trade on Bitcoin to victims of USD, UST's collapse. This time, Do Kwan was on uh, was the one calling Fat Man a fraud. Kwan held his ground when one tweeter implied he was a hypocrite. There's another tweet there. On Tuesday, Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin gave an update about the network's long-expected overhaul to proposed state consensus algorithm. The second iteration of Ethereum is expected to address several key issues, including energy consumption, scalability, gas fees, and speed. There was little to update. Uh, there was little to update us on. However, everything is going to plan. There's a tweet from Vitalik. The merge is still expected to happen around September 13th through 15th. That same day, a solo Bitcoin miner won a six-digit block reward. Awesome! Congrats. <laughs> okay, moving on. On Wednesday, a former MP of the tiny Polynesian state of Tonga, uh, Mata I Ula, Ulula, ah? <laughs> for uh, fun, fun. Uh, oh, Just say, man. aka Lord Fusitua. <laughs> okay, good enough. <laughs> Tweeted that his country is scheduled to make Bitcoin legal tender next month. <laughs> Lord Fusitua, a self-proclaimed Bitcoin bull, and is known for keeping the world informed. On progress of Bitcoin adoption in Tonga, and there he, there's this tweet there. Well, our our doing our the CTO of crypto exchange Bitfinex praised El Salvador on the an anniversary of Bitcoin becoming legal tender there. In his thread, our likened the move that the Italian re Renaissance Arduino makes. Am I saying that right? Arduino. Yeah, it's like Arduino except with an O, so it's Ardo Arduino Arduino. Arduino makes a great hype for El Salvador, but a recent report by American NPO says that Bitcoin use in the country has been minimal since the law came into effect. Peter Van Valkenburg, director of research at Crypto Policy Thinks, Think Tanks Coin Center, said on Wednesday that the United States government, the UN, and various other organizations are free to use crypto privacy mixer Tornado Cash, despite the fact that the services has been blacklisted by the U.S. Treasury Department. One rule for them, eh? <laughs> NFT fan Cirrus, Cirrus, Cirrus? Yeah, Cirrus. poked fun at the crypto influencer with a chart from Dune Analytics showing daily ETH trading volumes on NFT marketplace OpenSea. Here's that tweet there. Mm -hmm. 
Finally, Vermont regulators dropped the bombshell this week that bankrupt crypto lender Celsius has been insolvent since 2019. Yep. Crypto podcasters Case Fancy ex exhumed a tweet from 2019 to show everyone he knew all along. Oh, he knew it was a Ponzi from the beginning. Oh, my goodness. Gary versus Ethereum. It was a piece that ostensibly did not seem to be that significant. U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC Chair Gary Ginsburg, backs given the Commodity Future Trading Commission, CFTC, Bitcoin oversight. Ginzer has said in the past that Bitcoin is not a security and thus does not fall under his jurisdiction. This week, Ginzer reiterated his stance both on Bitcoin and the CFTC being a prime regulator over crypto, a proposal welcomed by many both in Washington and the industry, while hinting that he hopes the SEC will enjoy considerable jurisdiction over crypto. Crypto lawmakers Jake Shervinsky took on Twitter after the news broke and pointed to what Gensler is not saying to argue that the SEC chief still has Ethereum lined up in his crosshairs. Mm, there's a tweet from Jake. This isn't what the article says. It claims Chair Gary Gensler supports CFTC regulations of cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and quotes him referring to the crypto non-security tokens. There is no mention of ETH except in reference to the DCCPA, a bill that hasn't expressly supported. Bitcoin-loving MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor reads the news as bullish. And there's this tweet there. This morning, at Gary Gensler, chair of the SSC, noted that the that with the exception of Bitcoin, which he analogizes uh, uh, anal to digital gold, the vast majority of crypto tokens are securities. The next day, the, an SSC filed revealed that MicroStrategy will sell up to $500 million in Class A stocks. Guess what it may spend the proceeds on? That's right. Adding to its 129,000 BTC war chest, the single biggest corporate Bitcoin treasury in the world. Yep, wow. and it's got a lot of Bitcoin. A lot of Bitcoin. And that is it for the... Let's scroll back up. This week on Crypto Twitter. Yeah, a lot of Crypto Twitter. We actually did read about some of this stuff today, uh, this week, rather, in particular, about uh, mm -hmm. um, the insolvency of Celsius. Which is really lame. I guess uh, some people did know about it before it happened. And I, not just people inside the company. <laughs> Moving on. This week in coins, Bitcoin and Ethereum rebound. And Luna, which means moon, moons. <laughs> For the first time in many weeks amid a chilly crypto winter, Bitcoin and Ethereum had a great week. Hey, high fives! You see the two coins high-fiving each other. After dipping below 19,000 at the start of the week, Bitcoin then enjoyed a steady 7.3% recovery over the last seven days and it trades at 21,236 at the time of this writing, according to CoinMarketCap. Ethereum, the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap, rallied harder just days before the Ethereum merge event to proof of stake. It hasn't done it yet. It shot up 10.9% over the week and it's currently worth about 1720 uh, 26. Several so-called Ethereum killers, aka Layer 1 blockchains with high functionality smart contracts, enjoyed notable rallies too, such as Cardano. Cardano, pardon me, uh, blew up almost 10% to 51 cents. It needs to go up about about four times that. But Solana SOL grew to 11.5% uh, and trades at about $35. Av Avalanche rose about 8% to $20, and Near Protocol surged 13% to a little bit less than $5. Cosmos, or otherwise known as Atom, ballooned 30% in 
Now I know it's actually higher than the $16, but it actually went to almost $17. Cosmos is structurally different to Ethereum in that it's a network of many smaller blockchains, but also offers high functionality smart contracts. And I, I've been participating in this for a while, so yes, it's actually kind of cool. But undoubtedly the biggest mover in the top 70 cryptocurrencies this week was Luna, up 200 plus percent on the week. Yes, that's Luna, the original classic ecosystem that collapsed spectacularly in May and basically went to zero. But Luna is a new coin from a rebooted blockchain while the original Luna is now branded as Luna Classic or Lunch, sorry, L-U-N-C, <laughs> which also rose 80% this week. Uh, which was a dead cat, cat bounce, or is Terra coming back? <gasps> I, maybe, we'll see. Probably not. Uh, crypto winner. Despite the market rebound, crypto businesses are still feeling the effects of the ongoing crypto winter. So winter, winter isn't just coming. It's already here. It's been here for a long time, even though it's freaking hot in California. On Monday, the owner of Brazilian exchange Mercado Bitcoin, 2TM Group, announced... A second round of layoffs, cutting 15% of the current workforce back in June. The company released 12% of its 750 employees, or about 90 workers, citing changes in the global financial landscape. Yeah, that's just an excuse. The same day, Poolin, a Beijing-based mining pool, how is that even possible? Um, that accounts for 10% of Bitcoin's network hash rate, aka computing power per second, announced it was freezing ETH and Bitcoin balance payouts due to liquidity issues. Hey, I thought China was the wealthiest country in the world. What's up, Beijing? Hmm? Also, on Monday, the bankruptcy court handling insolvent crypto broker Voyager Digital approved a proposal to return $270 million to affected customers. A court filing the next day confirmed that Voyager will auction its remaining assets next week. Thank you, Voyager. Thank you, thank you. Various entities have made proposals and a hearing will be held on September 29th to approve the results. The 22 potential interested parties haven't been identified, but SBF's exchange FTX, sorry, it just sounds very alliterative, previously made an off a offer publicly. This was dismissed as a lowball bid. Screw you, dude. On Wednesday, a U.S. bankruptcy court filing revealed that Vermont state officials have asked for broader powers to investigate Celsius, alleging the insolvency cryptocurrency exchange had artificially inflated the price of its CEL token, at the expense of retail investors for the last three years. Quote, by increasing its net position and sell by hundreds of millions of dollars, sell increased and propped up the market price of CEL, thereby artificially inflating the company's CEL holdings on its balance sheet and financial statement, end quote. Vermont Assistant General Counsel Ethan McLaughlin said. All right. SEC Chair Gary Gensler, we just talked about him, said on Thursday at an industry conference that he would support a move by Congress to, handle, to hand the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC, the power to, quote, oversee and regulate crypto non-security tokens and related intermediaries. Really, dude? Okay. Gensler added that Congress should give CFTC prime oversight over crypto. Its own federal agency shouldn't be overlooked. He had previously said that Bitcoin is a commodity, not a security, and thus would not fall under SEC jurisdiction. I, I agree with that. He has resisted giving his view on Ethereum, and many in crypto uh, fear he wants to find a way to bring ETH under the SEC control. I don't know how he's going to do that unless it's centralized, <laughs> which we already know it is. 
That same day, the White House hinted that U.S. lawmakers and regulators could soon crack down on crypto mining because of its large carbon footprint. I still don't think that's going to happen. In a new report mandated by President Biden's executive order in March, the White House of White House Office of Science and Technology, that's OSTP, said crypto miners must reduce greenhouse gas emissions. What if we're not using that? I'm mining California. We don't even do greenhouse gases here. With help from the Environmental Protection Agency, Department of DOE, what's it? DOE, Department of Energy, sorry, and other federal agencies. Should the industry fail to become greener, the administration should explore executive actions and Congress might consider legislation to limit or eliminate the use of high-energy intensity consensus mechanisms for crypto asset mining, the report said. Across the Atlantic in London, the British Parliament had its first crypto debate on Wednesday. The UK wants to become the country of choice for these looking to create, innovate, create, innovate, and build in the crypto space, according to Richard Fuller, the economic secretary to the Treasury. Fuller also stated that as crypto technologies grow in significance, the new government formed by Liz Truss is seeking ways to achieve global competitive advantage for the United Kingdom. Sounds promising, right? In any case, I, I want to comment further on this uh, mining uh, restriction that seems to be something that they're looking at doing. Um, I don't mind saying that my current uh, project that I'm working on r- literally right now uh, is kind of the opposite of this. And I'm certain that there will be some concern when I continue to mention that I want to do this uh, because the, the problem I have with this, I'm not saying we shouldn't be green. I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, limit, quote unquote, greenhouse uh, gas emissions. But I'm all trying to get us into more solar, more wave, more uh, hydro and more um, wind power, which is completely green and get away from natural gas and coal. Now, California has no coal at all. We haven't had coal power in the, in the state for I don't even know how many years. Um, but we do use an awful lot of natural gas. In fact, as far as I know, if you look on Cal ISO, which is casio.gov, I think it is, you can see how much, exactly how much uh, natural gas that California burns on a regular basis to make power for the state. And it's more than anything else. <laughs> now, as of right now, as far as I know, uh, renewables like wind and solar are currently roughly half, but the other roughly half, which is not perfectly half, like 50%, it's like 45% or something like that, is natural gas. Natural gas is a huge contributor to power in California. So California being one of the states that tends to lead this, I'm not really that worried about California being cracked down upon. But because uh, New York State in particular and a lot of the northern states near near Canada use a lot of coal, I can see the reason for like, well, we don't want, you know, coal to be the primary um, method of making power that we use for these purposes. But to crack down just on crypto, it's just because it's in the news. It's not because it's particularly a bad thing. If you look at so many other uh, industries that make stuff that's valuable, why aren't we cracking down on them, making them be more energy efficient? <laughs> so, anyways, that's my two satoshis on that. All right. Moving on over to the next news. Written by, and by the way, that last one was written by Tim Huckey. He can use right, this is written by Sander Lutz, once again from Decrypt.co. Ethereum success, successfully deploys final network test before merge. And let me zoom in on that there. 
In the frenzied build-up to the Ethereum's much-anticipated merge, the network's developers have deployed test after test to make sure everything goes smoothly when the second-largest cryptocurrency will market capitalization transition to proof of stake sometime next week. Ethereum today successfully completed what this developer says the absolute final dress rehearsal for the historic and massive upgrade which is likely to occur between September 13th and 15th. The Ethereum mainnet's 13th shadow fork went live earlier today, apparently without a hitch. Shadowforks are focused on trial runs of aspects of the merge which test for potential issues and simulate the act of shifting the Ethereum's mainnet underlying mechanism for the current proof of work mining model to proof of stake, which will end up practice uh, which will end the practice of mining on the network. And speaking with Decrypt, a number of Ethereum developers confirmed that the network's final shadow fork today was was successfully deployed. No issues surfaced. Ethereum core developer Marius Van Der Wiedigen told Decrypt last week during Bellatrix, a key pre-merge upgrade, the Ethereum networks encountered some hiccups when it missed block rates, spiked by some 1,700%. The missed block rates metrics measures how frequently the Ethereum network fails to verify a block of transit transactions slated for validation. It's typically, about 0.5% of blocks encounter this issue in hours following the, the Bellatrix upgrades. That figure surged to 9%. Ethereum's developer chalked up the snag to a lack of preparedness from a number of node operators who had yet to upgrade their clients to the proper merge-ready software. Node operators are individuals and organizations that, that keep the back-end infrastructure of the Ethereum network operating. At the time of the Bellatrix upgrade, 25.2% of the Ethereum's nodes still had yet to upgrade their software. As of writing, that figure has lowered to 15.4% per Ether nodes. Terence Sow, an Ethereum Core developer told Decrypt that today's Shadow Fork tested this missed block rate issues and found it to be functioning basically perfect. The network's developers has been running dress rehearsals for the merge almost weekly for the last few months, attempting to game out any scenarios that could potentially derail or delay its execution. With tens of billions of dollars worth of digital assets, apps, and decentralized finance instruments built atop of the Ethereum network, there is essentially no margin for error. Ethereum's developer have continually, continually signaled assuredness that the merge will go exactly as planned. Nonetheless, the test runs have continued, perhaps more than anything else, to offer developers some peace of mind. Quote, it's just sanity checking at this point, said Van Der Widgen. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's going to happen. This is, this is one of the, those, those things that uh, I forgot who said it. It was some time ago. The, the one, of the, one of the most difficult things for the developers to do is if you have if you have to like place this in like real time like people don't understand what's going on behind the scene when it's coding but what you can see in the sky is a plane right imagine the plane needs to be upgraded to fit more people to fit more cargo and you have to fly another plane on top of that to do a mid-flight upgrade yep. that's crazy it's insane to make that happen <laughs> so developers out here doing this i praise them for doing this it's awesome I personally don't 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 uh, agree with proof of stake, but it's just amazing that they're able to do this, to do this, to do this, basically flawlessly, like they're saying. I don't know if it is. Well, We're going to see what it, happens in a couple of days. The other, the yeah. the secondary blockchains, Robsterin or whatever they're called, uh, that that are out there that are using, are base are not really like flying another plane on top of the current plane that's flying. It's like playing flying a virtual plane on top of the plane that's currently flying because anything you do to that other network doesn't have any effect on the current network. You know, you're, it's the reason it's a test net is because anything you do and it fails won't screw up the primary network. Um, 
that's the whole point of having a test network. So it, it it's good that it such exists, but you know, you can test and test and test and test and test and never kill the patient. So moving on to something from a different um magazine here, rather online. Coin Telegraph. Uh Yashugola writes Terra back from the dead? Didn't we just talk about this in crypto Twitter? Luna prices rise three hundred percent in September. The incredible Luna rally took place amid a flurry of positive and negative events while technicals suggest a correction is coming. <laughs> I believe it. I believe so too. Terra has become a controversial blockchain project after the collapse of its native Luna stable coin. Uh, stable coin? Stable coin, pardon me. Um, let me. Let me make this bigger for anyone who's reading it on, on mobile. Uh, recent gains are hard to ignore for the crypto traders. After crashing nearly to zero in May, Luna is trading for around $6, a whopping 17 million, or rather almost 18 million percent price rally in less than four months uh, when measured from its lowest level. Meanwhile, Luna's performance in September is particularly interesting, given it has rallied more than 300% month to date after a long period of sideways consolidations. It's vital to note that Luna also trades with the ticker Luna2 across multiple exchanges. In detail, Terraform Labs, the firm behind the Terra project, divided the old chain into Terra Classic, or Lunch. <laughs> no, it's not how you pronounce it. That would be the uh, Turkish pronunciation. And Tuna, uh, Tuna, yeah, Terra Luna, excuse me, Terra Luna 2.0, Tuna. I'm going to call it Lunch and Tuna. <laughs> Terra Classic. Yeah, maybe. Um, Terra Classic is the uh, original version of Terra Blockchain, while Tuna <laughs> was created, Terra Luna, sorry, Terra Luna 2.0, was created as part of a regeneration strategy by Terraform Labs founder Duo Kwan. Uh, in doing so, Quan and his team periodically airdrop Luna 2 tokens to users affected by the terrorist collapse. Luna, Luna, Luna 2, started pumping on September 9th, which was only two days ago as of now, the day on which many things happened inside the Terra ecosystem. First, Lunch passed uh, gov governance proposals to add a 1.2% tax on all its on-chain transactions on the day. Wow. Ouch. In other words, the proposals will permanently remove 1.2% of lunch supply from uh, the on-chain transaction, as Cointelegraph has covered here in their little tweet. So they're burning these transaction fees. Yes, they're burning 1.2%. Second, the self-proclaimed Terra whistleblower, Fat Man, reported a suspicious transaction of 435,000 uh, tuna <laughs> tokens to Binance, alleging that the sender is Terraform Labs was, no no pun intended, but they, he does say lunch here, uh, was eating lunch <laughs> and saw Luna 2 pump, checked the TFL Dawn wallet. Sure enough, after months of farming rewards with the airdrop they claim they never received, they sent all 435,000 available Luna 2 to Binance just days ago. That's just one address. Isn't that interesting? However, Doquan dismissed the allegations. September 9th pump also occurred a week after Terra passed the proposal to conduct its second airdrop of one of over 19 million Luna tokens until October 4th. From a technical perspective, Luna's price risk undergoing a massive correction in the coming days. First, 
on the four hour chart, the token relative strength index or RSI has jumped above 70, which is considered overbought territory where a correction becomes more likely. Secondly, the price has been forming a rising wedge or bearish reversal pattern since September 9th. Remember, this is all technical analysis. None of it do you support, but if you trust it, go right ahead and think that. It's your, you know, do your own research, as we always say. Notably, a rising wedge forms and the price trend, trends higher inside an ascending range whose upper and lower trend lines converge towards one another. It resolves after the price breaks down below the lower trend line uh, together with a rising tr in trade volume. As of September 11th, Luna was testing its wedge lo wedge's lower trend line for a potential breakdown move. In this case, the price will risk falling as much as the wedge's maximum height. In other words, Luna could drop down to four to $4.50, down 30% from today's price by this analysis. So that's, I mean, this is, like I said, I, I tend to shy away from these kinds of articles because I don't really want to do technical analysis. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, in, go ahead. In regards to that whole transaction fee, that 1%, I was thinking about that. Uh, well, so transaction fees relatively are just a fraction of actual, what you're actually sending out. So say, for example, you're sending $1,000 of Luna, right? Mm -hmm. It's only going to cost you one penny of that. So 1% one, 1 of one penny is just a fraction of a penny, right? So in reality, you're not really burning that much. Regardless if it's thousands and thousands of transactions, it's still just a very, very small fraction of coins that are being burned. Yep, it's something. They're still burning it, though. But yeah, it's mainly the, the new coin is so many, like 7 billion coins or something available in the new one. Um, well, it's nothing compared to what Ethereum was burning, right? Yeah, no, Ethereum was burning a lot. But that's because Ethereum doesn't have a hash, right? Or it doesn't have a habit. Same, so. same, thing, same thing with Binance. Binance was burning a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. it, it increases the value of the coin. That's the point of burning. So. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of backlash on people burning coins or ecosystem burning coins. Like, hey, why not donate these these uh, uh, these coins that you're supposed to burn and donate them to to people in those countries that actually need financing? You know, just to have food on the table or to have a roof over the head or just blanket socks, you know, t-shirts, you know, w running water. You know, it's the same reason the that? U.S. government doesn't burn its coin. <laughs> it just devalues the coin. The whole point of burning is to keep the value up. So there you go. All right. Cool. Two Satoshis right there. Okay, next news. Let's read from the ja from Crypto Potato. This one's the Japanese mayor awarded with NFTs for excelling at US usage of digital technology, written by Shinika Deka. The Japanese government is handing out non-fungible tokens as a supplementary award to local authorities that excelled in utilizing digital technology to solve local issues as well as fostering the digital economy. A total of seven mayors received NFTs awards for various initiatives. As per the report from CoinPost, the token, which were distributed to the summer DG Dinkoshin 2022 ceremony, essentially represents digital certificates of achievement. The award ceremony was headed by Japan's chief cabinet secretary, Hirokazu Matsuno. The country's prime minister, Fumio Ishida, was also in attendance. The token for one was issued on the Ethereum blockchain network, but leveraged proof of attendance protocol technology the uh, poap style nfts are mostly used at exclusive events and are usually minted on the xdi chain the secretariat's nfts cannot be traded on secondary markets tokyo-based crypto company bitflyer holdings provided tech support for the offering in addition to indie square tree digital studios and tomo tomonari kogi over the past several years, several tech players in the country have started to warm up to the idea of NFTs and Web3. 
one of the first Japanese banks to enter the NFT space was uh, MUFG, SBI Group, also launched a dedicated subsidiary called SBI NFTs. The country's top social media line also established an NFT marketplace called Line NFT, thanks to the much-needed push from the Prime Minister itself. The NFT marketplace in the land of, of the rising sun has been soaring. Kishida stated earlier that the government is looking to bring about the institution reforms to create an environment that accommodates the creation of Web3-related infrastructure. He also affirmed that the NFTs and metaverse-related innovations will fuel Web3-powered growth for the country. The remarks follows the creation of Digital Japan 2022 white paper presented by the Digital Society Promotion Unit of the ruling Liberal Democracy Party earlier this year that touted the NFT sector as a growth engine of the Web3 movement. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. The Japanese moving up, man. Now, last news of the day, which is kind of a recap from uh, Cointelegraph. Um, some more editorial staff. It's not really one person wrote this. So, Binance removes three stable coins, Russia eyes cross-border crypto payments, and UK exudes crypto positivity. Hodlers digest September 4th through the 10th. Okay, so U.S. Fed Vice Chair Michael Barr favors hardline on crypto. OCC acting head no friendlier. Global crypto regulation remains a prevalent topic looming over the sector. Recent comments from the United States Federal Reserve Board Vice Chair for Supervision Michael Barr and acting comptroller of the currency Michael Sue favored a lean toward more government overwatch. Barr expressed a desire for stablecoin regulation as well as crypto-related banking regulations. Sue's comments included looking at the industry cautiously. GameStop doubles down on crypto amid a new partnership with FTX US. GameStop is teaming up with the crypto exchange FTX US as a promotional partnership so far in 2022 has seen GameStop pursuing increasing involvement in the crypto space and evident in its NFT marketplace launch and its new gaming division devoted to Web3. GameStop has a long-term vision for crypto involvement, according to CEO Matt Furlong during a Q2 financial or probably fiscal year earnings call. This week, Binance revealed plans to phase out three stable coins on its trading platform, USD Coin or USDC, True USD, TUSD, and USDP as in Paul, Stablecoin USDP. The three assets, as well as associated spot trading pairs, will no longer be tradable in the exchange. In addition, Binance plans to terminate other services related to USDC on its platform, such as staking. The transition is essentially an effort to centralize liquidity in the exchange's own stablecoin, Binance USD, or BUSD, uh, based on an explanation tweeted by CEO CZ, Chengping Zhao. The exchange will convert users' remaining holdings of USDC, TUSD, and USDP into BUSD. If you didn't get all those acronyms, I, am, I apologize. Over the span of 24 hours, commencing on September 29th, a conversion of Tether, aka USDT, to Binance USD. However, it was not included in Binance's plans, though that could change according to Binance spokesperson. Other news. Basically, what Binance ahead, is trying to do is just strengthen their BUSD token by just absorbing all the other uh, stable coins into theirs to make the Binance ecosystem even stronger. Yep, just moving it all in one place. Not a bad thing ultimately for them, certainly. A statement to, uh, pardon me, Russia. Russia's banking, Russia's central bank is expected to allow cross-border crypto payments. Isn't, aren't all crypto payments cross-border? 
uh, to and from the country, but digital asset payments inside its borders will remain banned, which means you can send crypto in and out of the country, but you can't send it in the country. Wait, what difference does that make? I don't know. The country banned crypto as a payment vehicle via previous legislation, according to Russian Deputy Finance Minister Alexei Moisev, uh, Moisev, excuse me, the government's new approach to crypto is a response to changing circumstances globally following Russia's invasion of Ukraine earlier this year. A statement to media outlet RIA Novosti, no, Novosti? Uh, from the, Rus- the Bank of Russia explained, quote, it is important to emphasize that we are not take- talking about the legislation of cryptocurrencies as a means of payments on the territory of our country, end quote. A day later, news came in regarding Russia, uh, Russia reportedly looking into co- cooperate to looking to cooperate rather with so-called quote friendly countries to set up a stablecoin platform for cross-border payments. And lastly, here we got or is this last? I guess no. There's more to it. There's not much more though. UK Economic Secretary commits to make country a crypto hub for a newer Prime Minister. Development in the UK in the UK this week appeared to appeared positive for crypto adoption in the country among several comments about crypto economic secretary of the treasury richard fuller said quote we want to become the country of choice well that's new for those looking to create innovate and build in the crypto space and quote the uk now has a new prime minister that being liz truss who expressed in 2018 that crypto's potential should not be stifled in the country and that was long before she was ever the prime minister so I guess there's not much news further down here. It's just a bunch of other stuff. I guess we could read the FUD. FUD sounds like it would be fun, right? FUD of the week. Bitcoiner sentenced to federal prison warns users involved in OTC trading. Oh, this sucks, doesn't it? Mark Alexander Hopkins, a.k.a. Risen on Twitter, claims he's facing a federal prison sentence of 6 to 15 months. The crime, allegedly failing to secure proper regulatory licensing for his crypto business of peer-to-peer trading, Bitcoin trading, that is. Hopkins' home was raided by U.S. authorities in 2019. Hopkins, also known as Dr. Bitcoin, claims to have registered the U.S. Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, but complications arose from uh, as some of his P2P coin dealings were tied to a client involved in money laundering. Authorities claim Hopkins did not conduct due diligence on his customers, although he, is, he asserts otherwise. Uh, another news, crypto taxes vary globally. CoinCub, a digital assets analytics provider, recently published a study naming the five least favorable regions for paying crypto taxes. Belgium took the cake for the country with the worst crypto tax laws, according, requiring citizens to pay as much as 50% in some t- cases and 33% levied on crypto capital gains. Following Belgium on the worst crypto tax jurisdiction, uh, jurisdiction list, Iceland, Israel, the Philippines, and Japan. Which is weird because we just talked about Japan as being a good place for crypto. Vermont's financial regulator alleges Celsius and its CEO made false and misleading claims, which I think we've already read several times about, so I'm not going to continue on with that one. So that's all the fun we got for that article and really kind of wraps up our news for the day. So let's cover some um, cost values here. We're going to go to our coin tree, right? Coin3.c3media. Pull that up. There we go. Still there, John? John? Where'd you go? You want to take that? 
You want to get the? You want to look at look at look at the uh, coin tree stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got okay, it. Cool. Okay, so so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this episode up. Once again, if you guys want to help donate uh, to support C three Media, our podcast, you guys can help donate via crypto. We accept Bitcoin, Ethereum, BNB, Raven, or just throw some assets our way. Bat, Litecoin, Flex, Monero, USDC, US, uh, GUSD, Dai, Dogecoin, of course, uh, and a bunch of other stable coins. Obviously, if you guys want to hang out with us, we are in Discord, uh, YouTube, Twitter, which we, we do have Twitter spaces every Tuesday afternoon at 7 p.m. Make sure to join us there. It's an open discussion with the community about crypto. Twitch, obviously, there's some Twitchers now watching us live. We do that. We do an episode uh, every Sunday and Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, once again, uh, we do have an Odyssey. Make sure to subscribe to our Odyssey. We're trying to grow uh, our Odyssey channel as much as possible, so your support is very welcome. With that said, oh, we do have a merch uh, site as well. If you guys want to buy some merch, we do have a couple shirts here. The Black Diamond Hands T-shirt, Stacks and Stacks, that's a hollow T-shirt, and the Black Di Diamond Hands, uh, excuse me, the White Diamond Hands T-shirt. All that is in the coin tree linked below. All right, with that said, Reptonauts. Until next time. Stack, sats, sats, and hodl. And hodl. <laughs> Adios. Adios.